Welcome to the latest podcast from Greyfriars Church in Reading. Our vision is to see Reading transformed by the love and power of Jesus. You can find out more on our website, greyfriars.org.uk. Enjoy. Good morning, everybody. Excellent. My name's Natalie. If I haven't met you before, it's a privilege to welcome you. And we're going to do things a bit differently today. We're going to have the reading during our thought, which is why Kat is up here looking incredibly glamorous, because we're going to intersperse our reading. And one of the things that we're doing during the summer is we're taking all those really, really slim little books that we don't often get a chance to look at, um, and we're taking one at a time. So today, if you want to open your Bibles at page 911... 911. We're going to think about Joel. We're going to think about Joel. So I wonder, what do you think the book of Joel is all about? What do you think the book of Joel is all about? And do you know what's in the book of Joel? There's a bit of a visual clue on the slides. There's a bit of a clue on the slides. What goes on in Joel? What are these little interesting creatures? Go for it, Kat. We've got a hand up. What are these funny little creatures? Yeah, brilliant. They're locusts. Now, yes, you are right. It is. There are locusts in the book of Joel. Um, But I was thinking about our children here, and I don't know how many of our children have actually seen locusts or indeed how many of them have seen the devastation that locusts can wreak on a town or a place or a village or fields and farms. So I'm going to sum it up this way, if we can have the next slide, please. I'm going to sum it up about Joel, Jesus, and the very hungry caterpillar. So I wonder, who has actually read this book? Hands up. Next slide, please. Excellent, you're doing really well. This, should, this sermon should go brilliantly. Anyone describe briefly what happens in the book? You might need to wander around with the microphone. Okay, yeah, go for it. The caterpillar eats lots of things until it gets fat and turns into a um, butterfly. Excellent, brilliant. Let's have the story summary slide up. This is pretty much the summary of the story. So for those of you who can't see it too well, a caterpillar is born, it sees lots of food, it eats way too much, it gets sick, gets well again when it eats what's good for it, and becomes a beautiful butterfly. Now, I'd like to suggest that that's a little bit like the book of Joel, which Kat is going to help me unpack during our reflection together. So let's consider what's going on for Joel. We don't quite know when he was writing, because he didn't say which king was his king. But he was writing to the people in Israel years before Jesus was even born, likely after the exile and when there was a temple. But our man Joel's a really big reader. He reads an awful lot. He's read quite a few of the books that are in our Bible. And he hints at some of the others. And what he writes has got a message even for us today. 
You see, the people of Israel are in a pickle. And Joel, as a prophet, is trying to wake them up. He's saying to them, can you not see what's going on around you? He's seeing sickness in the hearts of the people as well as a sickness in the land. And he wants to wake the people up to both. The sickness of the land and the sickness in the hearts and the actions of the people. So let's listen to a little of what Joel has got to say as he tries to wake people up. Listen, all who live in the land, what the locust swarm has left, the great locusts have eaten. What the great locusts have left, the young locusts have eaten. What the young locusts have left, other locusts have eaten. Wake up, you drunkards, and weep. Wail, all you drinkers of wine. Wail because of the new wine, for it has been snatched from your lips. Despair, you farmers. Wail, you vine growers. The sickness of the land is the locusts eating everything. But the sickness in people's hearts is also a worry for Joel. So he's trying to get their attention to wake up maybe the farmers, the priests, the drunkards, the elders. Joel wants everyone to wake up and pay attention. So let's have a great waking up action. If we could have our next slide, please. A nice, big waking up action. Everyone, those at the front, on the steps, can we have a nice, big waking up action? Nice, big stretch, big yawn. Anyone need a yawn? Fantastic. They need to wake up because the day of the Lord is on its way. Joel has seen a problem, and he's concerned about this day of the Lord that is coming. But it's a bit confusing because Joel speaks about lots of days of the Lord in one book. He speaks about days of the Lord that were in the past. He speaks about days of the Lord that were in the present. And he speaks about days of the Lord that are in the future. And the past day of the Lord is the day when the locusts came and ate everything in sight like the very hungry caterpillar. And they got really fat. And there's nothing left for anyone to eat. No crops for farmers to produce food with. And then there's a day of the Lord that's in the future. Kat, can you read about the day of the Lord that's in the future for us, please? Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The sun and moon will be darkened and the stars no longer shine. The Lord will roar from Zion and thunder from Jerusalem. The earth and the heavens will tremble. But the Lord will be a refuge for his people, a stronghold for the people of Israel. Now that day of the Lord, that day of, in the valley of decision is yet to come for us. Joel was saying it was coming in his future and it's still in our future. We still have time and space to make a decision. And Joel is trying to wake people up to make good decisions in their lives. They're invited to wake up and decide what's best for them. If they, we can have the next slide, please. They're invited to make a decision, a yes or a no. Less of the question marks, because he doesn't want people making maybe decisions. Joel describes that day of the Lord 
when everyone has an opportunity to make a decision. And it's a bit like our very hungry caterpillar. We have to wake up, stretch, yawn, and decide what's healthy and what's good for us. Now, sometimes we choose to do bad things, things that can be bad for our bodies, bad for our hearts, and bad for our minds. And doing those bad things or not doing good things can leave us feeling a bit sick. Look at our sick caterpillar. Can anyone make a face when they're feeling sick? What kind of faces do we make when we're feeling a bit sick? Dave Jeffries, can you stand up and give us your sick face? <laughs> Dave wasn't very well on you, wine. <laughs> um, so we, can, we have to know the things that are good for us. And that's what Joel's trying to encourage the people then and us now to do, to do good things. And when we do wrong things, we use a particular term for it, don't we? What term do we use for doing wrong things or not doing good things? We call it excellent. Yeah, we call it sin. And Joel is saying that there's a great way to let go of our sin and to be right with God and to be his friends. Because Joel knows that sin can eat away inside us. Sin begins inside us and eats away at our spirits. And the book of James in chapter 1, verses 13 and 15, puts it like this. And remember when you are being tempted, do not say God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. It's just like our very hungry caterpillar who sees one bit of food and then sees another and then sees another and then sees another. And he just keeps eating all the wrong things. If we fill our lives with wrong actions, wrong thoughts, it's just like filling our tummies with the wrong or too much food. Our lives and everything that goes on around us becomes unwell. So Joel suggests the solution to this sin, to this judgment day of the Lord that's coming, is to invite his whole community to worship. It's a call to come back to God, to return to the Lord. Kat, can you share the bit of returning for us? Oh, wait a sec. Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. What Joel is encouraging the people to do is not to tear up their clothes to make a show of them doing the right thing to returning to God. Because one of the things that people in those days used to do, if, if they were saying sorry to God for something, they might tear their garments and put on sackcloth and ashes. And Joel's saying, you don't need to do all that outward stuff. You need to do the inward stuff. You need to do the stuff with your heart that makes you a friend with Jesus. Be friends with Jesus from the inside and the outside will follow. Be friends with Jesus in your heart and your words 
and your actions will follow. So I wonder, can anyone remember, oh, here's a bit of a clue, um, can anyone remember what our hungry caterpillar has to do to get well again? What does our hungry caterpillar have to do to get well again? Any, any suggestions? What does he do? Can, yeah, thank you. <laughs> I don't know, leaves. Leaves. He eats a leaf, absolutely. So if you know the words, you can join in with them. If you can't quite read them, I'll read them for you. The next day was Sunday again. The caterpillar ate through one nice green leaf, and after that, he felt much better. Our caterpillar needs to fill himself with the right food to eat well. And Joel is inviting us to worship in the same way, to fill our whole lives and our beings with God, because God is good. When we do that, how we live and the choices that we make are filled with Jesus. We become well in the way that God means for us to be well. And Joel is saying the same thing. He calls it returning to God. Rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. Joel explains we return to God because God is good, and God is always there waiting for us to turn to him. We turn to God in a way that's not just about what we wear, but about how we act, and it comes from our hearts. God first loves us in this way. He's gracious, he's compassionate, slow to angry, and abounding. That means being full of love for you and for I. Joel is inviting us to love God back with hearts that are filled by him. Jesus, when he was with his followers, puts it like this in Matthew 22. Love the Lord your God. Join in with me if you want to. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so today he asks the same of us. But how do we do that returning? How does that turning back happen? I wonder, can we learn from Joel about how God helps us to love him well? Because it's really hard. I will, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And if those words remind you of a passage in Acts, that shouldn't be that much of a surprise because that is what he's, he, Joel is being quoted. And it's because the Holy Spirit in us is what helps us return to the Lord so that we can be friends with Jesus in the best way possible. And what should worship look like when we worship in that way? Okay, children, you can pause, play, do whatever you want to, grown-ups. 
This is a paragraph especially for you, and it's by a chap called Robert Weber. We need to let go of our intellectual idea of worship and realize there's more to worship than a sermon. We have to let go of our evangelistic notion of worship and reckon with the fact that worship isn't primarily directed towards the sinner who needs to be converted. We must let go of our entertainment expectations and remind ourselves that we're not in church to watch a Christian variety show. We've gathered in worship to meet with God the Almighty, the creator of the universe, the one who sustains our lives, our redeemer, our king, who is present through preaching and through remembering. And he wants to communicate with us, to penetrate our very inner selves, and to take up residence within us. Our response is not just singing a hymn, not just saying a creed, not just saying a prayer. Response from the beginning to the end of worship should be a powerful encounter of actually being in the presence of God, of actually being in the presence of God. We are expressing our feelings, bringing our souls, truly responding and communicating to the living and active presence of a loving and merciful God. Returning to God like that's quite tough. I don't know if you find it tough. Anyone else find that tough? I don't know that I could live worship like that. It's hard. If we can have the next slide, please. So we need to wake up. We need to return to the Lord because the day of the Lord is coming. So I've got an invitation for each of you, if we could have our next slide, please. I'm going to invite you to feed yourselves well this week. Take time to be in God's presence each day so that in his presence, my love for him, your love for God, will be fed by the power of the Holy Spirit directing us. And then the other bit of my invitation to you is to tell someone how God is changing you, to literally tell somebody else what God is changing in your life. Because as the Holy Spirit comes close, the Holy Spirit changes and transforms and reshapes us. We dream dreams, we have visions, we become the people that Jesus wants us to be, little by little, day by day, healthier friends of Jesus, eating the things that are good for our soul, the Spirit of God inside us, making us new. Amen.